Hello, I'm Martijn Graat and this is Does Logistics Matter? A podcast on trends and innovations in supply chain and logistics. Answering yes to the question today is Tim Rankin, Vice President, Business Development and Communications at Eagle Rail. In this episode, we talk about the latest developments in global shipping, the growth in container shipping and the impact on ports, congestion in and around ports and what to do about it, and how to optimize and decarbonize first mile transportation in port areas. Please enjoy my conversation with Tim Brankin. Hi Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Martin. Great to be here. Uh, the first question of this podcast is always the same, and that's, does logistics matter? Yes, logistics definitely matters. Uh, it brought me here to Rotterdam, so always great to visit the Netherlands uh, and lovely weather you're having here. Um, we all know that 90% of the goods that we use, wear, consume, all ends up in a shipping container at some point in its journey. So logistics didn't matter or wasn't important to the the population of, of the world, say, pre-pandemic, but we all understood what logistics, supply chain, and, and the problems that can come about if uh, there are breakdowns or congestion in logistics chain yeah th there was somebody that told me like uh, that they that they'd found out that uh and they had no idea that logistics is like oxygen like we we don't know that there's oxygen in the room here it's just here we just breathe uh until suddenly there's no oxygen and then it becomes real apparent real fast <laughs> and i guess that the the that's for sure what the pandemic did it uh it took away the oxygen <laughs> and the people went oh yeah Oh man, there's just a whole system, a whole world uh, that that is making sure that the goods get where they're going. Yeah, my family and friends knew I was in the logistics industry, but they didn't understand how it might affect them um, until there was a problem getting goods from the store. Shelves were empty, um, so yeah, it it really put a spotlight on how important logistics are and how much further we need to go to improve the supply chain. So whether that's with greater visibility, uh, greater data, greater transportation, um, more improved, efficient labor operations, there's so much more that we still need to, to achieve. Uh, absolutely. So the the reason why it became uh, f front page news is obviously uh, not, not uh, bad, uh, but it's uh, really good that the industry finally is uh, getting the the attention and the and the credit that it's due. Um, so, how did you end up in logistics? Yeah, great question. Uh, my background is uh, financial services, so trading, uh, brokerage. Um, and financial technology or fintech. Yeah. Uh, spent 25 years uh, in the global financial industry, mainly um, in foreign exchange. So used to dealing with global trade, but more on a, on a currency level. Mm -hmm. uh, we provided uh, the, the platforms and the technology to allow companies and individuals to uh, transact uh, foreign exchange trading. Yeah, uh, my company was acquired uh, 
by a London-based company uh, probably seven years ago. And the new owner wanted to close down the U.S. operations. Um, so uh, I reached out to my network and one of my uh, neighbors uh, two blocks down, I knew he had been involved with this company called Eagle Rail. And I'd seen some newsletters that he had put out. Um, and one thing led to another after a few meetings and emails. Uh, I joined uh, the company and I guess it's probably six years ago now. Um, so I've been in the logistics space only six years, but feels uh, like I've learned quite a bit uh, with everything that's happened over the last three, four years. Well, yeah, you definitely joined uh, in, a, in, a, in a very exciting and challenging time. Um, so your uh, logistics keeps growing because global trade keeps growing. You were already mentioning 90% of, our, of, our, of, of everything that we see around us has been in a, in a, in a shipping container. Um, I, um, you know, for example, I, I know that one of the things that we do in the Netherlands is we, you know, we are a, um, we are a trading nation. Uh, we have, we have always been, we have always had a lot of ships, um, but, and we're also fishermen. So, um, what we do is uh, uh, some of the fish that we uh, catch here in uh, in Dutch waters, we actually bring to China, and it's processed in China, and then it's brought back to the to the Netherlands to uh, and it gets uh, I I guess canned or whatever they did with it, and then sold in supermarkets. Just you know, people don't realize how many. Yeah, how many how many stuff is being uh, uh, well brought all over the world for for many many reasons? Um, it, it's been growing, and um, you know it's I guess it it's good for the for the global economy, but it also has some uh, definite negative uh, effects. I mean, global shipping is I guess I it's three percent of, of of the carbon emissions. Right. Um, so. What, what are what, what effects of this growth in commerce do, do you see? Sure. So McKinsey did a, a report, I think it was uh, probably 30 or 40 years ago, and they've just updated it. And it was 50 years of the container shipping industry. Yeah. Uh, and they've shown through their research that the, the container uh, volumes have been increasing by 3 to 5% for the last 50 years. Yeah. Um, that trend does not look like it's going to slow down. It only looks like it's going to continue. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a number of reasons for that. Uh, one, more things are being containerized. It's the most efficient way to ship goods, whether it's cars. Now even bulk uh, commodities are, are being put in containers. Yeah. Um, and you can also look at the, the growing middle class, whether that's in Asia uh, India specifically uh, now is the largest uh, country in the world by population. Hmm. Their middle class is uh, growing exponentially. So those individuals, those families are going to need and want and have the ability to acquire more stuff. Yeah. Um, so if you look at 50 years from now, if you're going at growing at a 20 or I'm sorry, two to 5% or three to 5% rate per year, it only takes, you know, 20, 30 years where you're going to be doubling the volumes that are, are currently uh, being seen around the, on the, around the world. So, yeah, the, the, the containeriz containerization um, 
of things. Uh, and also, uh, globalization is probably not going to stop. There's been talk about nearshoring, onshoring, yeah, specifically in the U.S., and I'm sure here in yeah, Europe here as, as well. well. Yeah. We rely on maybe one or two main countries, mainly China, for a lot of the things um, that we uh, use on a daily basis. I don't think we're going to reshore those a lot of those jobs in, in the U.S. or probably Europe, so maybe they'll move. It's already been happening for a few years. They're moving to other countries in Asia where, again, globalization and um, you're, you're looking for the most efficient manner to produce goods if you're a company. Yeah. So like you said with the, the, the example of the fisheries where you're catching fish here, you're sending it to China, processing it there and bringing it back. Yeah. Um, that's going to continue to grow and, and be something that companies will, will continue to seek because you're always looking for the most efficient and, and optimal producer of your of your end goods yeah yeah and you know we have a we have a lot of ocean so so there's a lot of room uh for for ships uh, to maneuver and and that's good they're getting bigger i think the the biggest ship is now twenty four thousand plus containers and um you know i think the biggest the biggest ship recently visited the the port of rotterdam here it's it, uh, it's it's a yeah. You just you, you you really can't believe it if you see it the 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 size of these things. Um, well, and I you know it it's getting busier on the oceans, but the oceans are are large. I'm guessing that you know, or I know that the problems start uh, more uh, as soon as these ships are are you know coming closer to shore, because our shores are getting busy as well, and there's uh, a lot of congestion. There's congestion at the at the Panama Canal. There's been congestion with ships, uh, you know, at at many 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 ports. Um, it's it's creating some some definite issues. Yes, all, all we have to do is go back a few years uh, and outside of LA Long Beach, there was 110 container vessels waiting to dock uh, at either LA or Long Beach. 110. 110. Um, now you're seeing also uh, some labor work stoppage issues on the West Coast and yep. containers and also ships are starting to back up on the West Coast. So we're almost going to see a, a mini repeat, unfortunately, of what happened uh, at the peak of, of congestion. Um, yeah, the, the 24,000 TEU ships, uh, unless you see one, you really can't fathom it. A picture will do some justice to it. <laughs> um, but again, a few years ago, the largest ship had 10,000 containers yeah. on it. And now we're at 24,000. There will be a peak. Are we going to go to 30,000, 35? I don't know because you start losing the your unit cost shipping is still very competitive at at that 24,000. Yeah. It it would go obviously go a little bit lower, but the problems that these larger ships bring to ports uh can't be ignored anymore. Um and we're seeing it all over the world where once these ships do dock and you have to move 2,000, 4,000, 6,000 containers off that ship, it causes a lot of problems. Yeah, because these containers are then in the port 
but then they need to go out. Now some of these go on other ships and and you know and and leave uh, that way, but um, uh, the most need to go uh, from the port on land. Yeah, uh, it, speaking from a U.S. centric uh, point of view, because I live in the U.S., all the ships that come into the the West Coast. Those goods are coming off. They're not being transshipped. So you're bringing those boxes in inland onto the port. And that's where some of the problems begin is what do you do with 2,000, 4,000 containers? You can stack some on the, the terminal, but that's not a really efficient use of your real estate that you might have at your port. Yeah. Um, and ports almost universally around the globe, unless it's a greenfield, a new project or a new port. A lot of ports are built in cities or city centers that are landlocked. Yep. They can't expand even if they wanted to. Um, and if they could can expand, the city and the government and the local citizens don't want to give the ports any more of this valuable real estate that exists on the shore. They want to use that for recreation, for tourism. Uh, so it's a it's a problem. If you if you're looking at twenty, thirty years down the road, how are you going to handle twenty, thirty, a hundred percent more boxes coming in yeah. and also leaving? You know, there's it's a two way transaction uh, in a lot of ports. Uh, you've got to get empties back on the ship, back to Asia, and then load them back up and ship goods back to the US or Europe or the rest of the world. Yeah. Now there there are several ways to get um uh containers out, out of ports. Uh there's uh, inland shipping. I don't know is there a, uh, a much inland shipping done in the in the US? There's not. There's talk about it uh because we do have some waterways and rivers that could accommodate. There is not a lot of uh barge traffic uh, right now moving containers in the U.S. Uh, I know here in the Netherlands, you have ample waterways and that's... Yeah, we have actually, we actually have inland container terminals. Yeah, so w there's talk of that, but uh, you're going to run into the same issues. I think your uh, a lot of ports, if they want to expand their footprint, you're going to get a pushback from the local government, the local citizens. Yeah. They don't want these larger ships on a, say, river or canal taking up space and worry about safety issues yeah so uh and then there's rail well uh the do so I, i'm not sure what the situation is with the american ports that are i mean i guess all the ports are connected to uh to rail connection but are a lot of containers leaving by rail yeah so there are there is depending on the port uh so if you look uh at savannah in georgia mm -hmm. they've got their mega rail project that they've built basically from the ground up they've got unbelievable rail connection directly uh connected to the port um same at uh in long beach they've got uh, a sufficient rail connection uh, at some of the terminals there but a lot of the ports don't have a rail that connects directly to the to the port terminal mm -hmm. and it's literally impossible or very difficult to try to bring ground rail into an existing port that is in a city because ground rail or, or trains are a very efficient method to move containers or any type of goods mm -hmm. but 
they do take up ground space. Yeah. Um, and you have to build a, a wagon of say 50 or a hundred cars to make it worth, you know, that, that energy savings and that, uh, that efficiency yep. that you get. Uh, so if you have a hundred car train wagon going through your city, then you're blocking pedestrians, uh, cars, any other mode of transportation from getting around that city. And I, and I think if you look in Europe, I think a hundred car a train is just, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, that's almost like if the, if you put on the, the, the last container, the first container is going to be in Germany already. Right. If you look yep. at the Netherlands, right? We're, we're, we're small. Plus we have a very busy, um, a very busy rail system. Although I'm not a, um, real traffic, um, uh, rail freight, uh, a specialist in, in any way. Um, so, so, so a lot of containers leave by, um, by train, but I, I mean, most of them go out by truck. They do. Uh, it's the same method that's been used since the container has been in existence. So yeah. you're looking at 60 plus years of putting a container on a chassis and then moving that to, uh, whether it's its final destination but a lot of times it's going to an inland drop-off point. So whether that's an inland container depot or a rail yard that's in inland from the port. So it's not if you've got a rail uh, a rail yard near a port, uh, the best way right now is to move those containers by truck because you can do it on yep. demand one at a time. You don't have to build a, a, a train car. You, and if you don't have any type of rail already uh, set down, and you just, yeah, you put it on a 20 or a 30 year old diesel truck and that truck uh, will do, you know, one or two turns a day to try to get a container out of the port uh, to the, yeah. to that destination. Um, problem is, is that when you've got this congestion from these larger ships unloading 2,000, 4,000 containers at a time, you've got this, you know, you've only got so much throughput. Yeah. So you're trying to... Th I remember Gene Soroka, Port of LA, he's like, we're trying, this is during the, the height of the pandemic. He's like, we're trying to take 10 lanes of traffic and squeeze them through five lanes. Yeah. And it just doesn't happen. So you, you see the, the train, or sorry, the trucks backing up for one, two, three hours just to get one container. Well, these trucks are idling. They're, again, taking up ground space in and around the ports. Uh, you've got the diesel emissions. You've got the the, the wear and tear that they actually uh, inflict on the roads. On the roads, yeah. The start, starting and stopping of the trucks are yeah. horrible. Plus a lot, a lot of safety uh, issues. I mean, the, the more trucks on the road, the the you know, it's it it kills visibility. Yes, uh, it, it it certainly does. Uh, and then you're also looking at um, the noise pollution and and the emissions that the people in and around the ports, if you're near these trucks, you have to deal with, and it's, it's pretty bad. So if you've never been in and around a, a port with trucks barreling down your neighborhood streets, it's not somewhere you want to live. So, um, how can we solve this issue? Because, um, you know, a solution. I do. Uh, and people have looked at this for a while. You, if you take the, the advances that has happened in the the ocean carriers with the larger ships bringing the the cost of shipping uh way down now you're having uh, uh you're hopefully going to start utilizing greener fuels 
mm-hmm. because as you said, uh, the container shipping industry is a pretty big proponent of, or contributor of, of greenhouse gases. Yes. So if you have say green methanol, uh, hydrogen is being talked about as well. Um, that always, that helps. That technology is great. Uh, on, on land, you've got uh, more efficient trains that are coming online. I just saw that there's an electric train that uh, one of the U.S. Uh, class one rail operators just is testing out. Mm-hmm. You're always going to look at, okay, well, what's the battery range on this and how long is it going to take to charge? Yep. Uh, and then you've had a lot of uh, technology developed to try to make things more efficient. So the flex ports of the world, the digital freight forwarders trying to optimize the supply chain and logistics as best you can. Mm-hmm. That's all great. Eagle Rail Container Logistics, our company, is trying to solve that uh, that short haul repetitive move. So yeah. the drayage industry, um, which is actually a, a Dutch term, by the way, uh, originated from the dray horses that used to move containers or move, not containers, but this is you know, 100 plus years ago. Yeah. It was a dray horse, so that that name has stuck and is now universal. So the drayage industry. Um, So Eagle Rail is looking to solve that short-haul repetitive route. Instead of using diesel trucks, we have an overhead light rail system, 100% electric, that can lift containers and fly it over, quote-unquote, over any congestion you have on the ground. So that's rail traffic car traffic, pedestrian traffic. Um, we can run along uh, an existing uh, right-of-way that a power company or rail may have. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're the best of, say, rail, traditional ground rail, and trucking uh, all built into one because you can move containers out one at a time rather yeah. than build a rail car mm-hmm. um, and get those containers off your port terminal uh, where that land is so valuable and so precious and so limited uh, and move those containers inland 5, 10, 15 kilometers uh, away from the port terminal where land is more readily available and you might have greater connectivity to uh, a a rail yard or a long-haul trucking facility. Yeah. Um, So that's our solution for that. So that's why I'm here in Rotterdam is to to meet with some folks at the, the TOC conference that's happening here this week yeah so um uh, uh, so now what you have what you see here in the port of rotterdam and in, in other ports is that um the uh so the 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 first i don't know if it's first 100 meters or the the first k- kilometer maybe uh that these containers move they move on on you know th- these are automatically uh, self-driving like yeah, self, sort of self-driving trucks. Yep. They put the container on it. So what would happen is the crane would put the uh, container on a self-driving uh, truck or, or self-driving trailer. Then it would move to an Eagle Rail uh, station where the, the container is, is grabbed from, from the truck. And then it can start moving straight away to uh, whatever destination the, the rail is connected to. Exactly. And we can tie into the ship's toss system the terminal operating software yeah to know that hey here comes let's say it's msc oscar one of the twenty-four thousand yeah. tu ships and okay out of the twenty-four thousand containers that are on this vessel 
2,000 are going to be unloaded, say, at the Port of Rotterdam. Uh, 500 are going to go to an unlimited number of destinations. So you're not going to automate that with uh, any type of Eagle Rail system. No. Um, you're going to use a truck. But if you've got uh, 30 40% of those containers going to one or two or three different drop-off points, it makes total sense just to automate and connect those nodes, as we call them, mm-hmm. with an Eagle Rail system. It's, it's literally the same thing Amazon does with inside their warehouses, where if you go in, it's almost fully automated, and they've got conveyance or conveyor belts and conveyance systems moving boxes all around their warehouse. And they're all tracked digitally, so you have 100% visibility on your, on your goods or your box that's in that warehouse. We're doing the same thing, and we're doing that outside. And, and our founder, uh, Mike Wachaki, likes to say we do what Amazon does with a six-pound or a 60-pound box. We do it with a 60,000-pound Sorry, I'm using pounds here in the. Yeah, well, that's the... okay. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget what the, what how the pound and the and, and the kilogram exactly. uh, match up, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, so we're doing the same thing with that sixty thousand pound container. We're robotically lifting it, shuttling it, and placing it down, and then can be moved by rail or uh, by truck to the final destination. Yeah, so you would move it to the inland. Uh, the inland terminal, or the train terminal, or or or, or a, a truck yard, or maybe if there's a um, a factory or or a distribution center with very very high volume, you may even connect to a to a factory or to a di- distribution center to uh, 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 yeah to take care of that volume. Yeah, so there's a port in the U.S. that we're in in discussions with that has a big uh, Amazon distribution facility that's located about five to seven miles away from mm-hmm. the, the terminal. And we've since we've introduced the idea of overhead conveyance for shipping containers, it started with a shorter system and then it went to another, oh, we can connect this yard and, oh, wait, uh, we're getting, we're doing a lot of green things in our port and it's great. And we're buying all of our electricity from renewable sources. Yeah. But the town, the city, isn't very happy with the their plans to increase volumes because that means more trucks on the road. <laughs> yeah. So safety issues, emissions, congestion, wear and tear on the road. So your Department of Transportation has got to figure out, okay, how am I going to handle this many more trucks? Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, they're like, wait, we can connect our container terminal with this, quote unquote, monorail for... Uh, shipping containers and then fly them out to the Amazon warehouse and not use a truck. So the light bulbs start lighting up when you start talking about this. And we've got uh, great animations that show exactly how this could work. Mm -hmm. Um, And also we use digital twin software. We call it FlexSim to model what your volume is and today and also we can project out you know 20 30 40 years and determine okay yeah this an eagle rail system would need this many carriers this many lifters and we yep. can build it for 30 40 50 years the the track itself is will stand 100 plus years um okay it's it's concrete it's steel um, yep. where i'm from chicago has a famous 
elevated train system that we yeah. shortened called the L. Yeah. It's been running for 100 plus years, same track. Of course, there's maintenance that needs to be done. There's new equipment, new new cars, but that's what we're going to do with Eagle Rail. We're going to have that physical infrastructure and we'll constantly improve that and add more carriers and more lifters as as demand peaks. Yeah, and it's and it's uh, electric uh, electrically powered. So so it you can create a a zero emission uh, of, uh, well, first mile, I guess, or or maybe last mile if the things are coming from the distribution center and they're going to the port because um, it's it's two ways whether the containers are are full or or empty, right? They need to go back. Correct, and it seems well doesn't seem every port globally has a you know net zero initiative whether they're going to be carbon neutral or zero emissions by 2030, 2040, 2050. Yeah. Every port we talk to has that in their in their mandate. Yeah, so, um, so if you if you bring down the number of trucks that uh, go to the port area, then the total uh, total emissions for that port goes down. Now this, the trucks still need to go and pick up the containers, but at least it's not going into a congested area where there'll be much more emissions than than uh, when there's no congestion and it's just an easy pickup and 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 easy go. Yeah, because the yeah. trucks are not very efficient when they're idling. That's actually when they're at the worst. So the particulate matter yeah. that that diesel trucks produce, uh, the NOx and SOx gases that contribute to, I think it's it could be it's estimated at twenty to fifty thousand premature deaths around the world every yeah. year. Just um, and if you're suffering from any type of uh, respiratory issues, so yep. asthma, it's it's the worst type of yep. Uh, yep. emissions out there. So, um, yeah, it, to electrify that uses with an Eagle Rail system uses sixty uh, percent less energy, um, and that takes into effect a mix of still burning coal to produce some electricity, mm -hmm. but also using natural gas and some renewable sources. But if you're sourcing your electricity, say from hydro, like a lot of countries uh, do in the port areas or yeah, or wind, wind is it's always wind in your port. Getting, <laughs> uh, there's a huge uh, initiative uh, for wind production in the U.S. now, finally. Um, it's been in Europe. Uh, you guys are leading. It seems like everything when it comes to clean tech and, and green technology, um, we're lagging unless you look at some of the things that California is trying to do. But I even just here in Rotterdam, I've seen electric everything, electric cars. I took an electric car here. I saw an electric bus, uh, tons of electric bikes. Yeah, we have one of the first uh, zero emission, uh, first zero emission transportation companies uh, in the Netherlands is uh, was started in uh, uh, here in Rotterdam as well. Uh, actually, for those listening, I think top of my head, it's episode number four. Uh, Brighteners, the, the the company is called, which is uh, which is, uh, and they've been f front runners because uh, uh, even in the Netherlands, when it comes to trucking and and electric and and electricity, it's it's difficult because the 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 infrastructures for for infrastructure for cars is perfect, but for for trucks, it's still quite uh, quite challenging, especially long haul. Um, um, uh, so Tim. Um, 
uh, it sounds like you uh, have a, a, a solid solution to uh, to solve some uh, some absolute current problems. Um, if if uh, uh, if you look ahead, so what what's in front of us? What what's what's going to happen next? Yeah, we we've been at this seven years, and we keep hearing repeatedly that this makes so much sense. And where where are you guys at? Where can I see an Eagle Rail system? Where what port is it in? What inland yard is it in? We're getting close, um, and I think we've always been a hundred percent electric, but now the push towards decarbonization, net zero, uh, people are really taking a, a hard look at the transportation that that is involved in moving goods and uh, around the world. So you've got the the IMO, the International Maritime Organization, has a push towards cleaner fuels. Yep. Stop using the, the bunker fuel that is high in sulfur and horrible for the, uh, the environment and, yeah. and for emissions. Um, so I think we're, we're finally at that inflection point where people are thinking, okay, how can we take CO2 emissions lower and, and, uh, these greenhouse gases, how do we do this? And it's like, well, you, it's not going to be easy, but you can chip away and, and look at different solutions and different modes of transportation. Um, so I think that's going to be uh, a tailwind for, for Eagle Rail because, again, you're taking these 20, 30, 40-year-old diesel trucks off the road. Um, there's a saying in the port industry, the drayage industry is where old trucks go to die. They're yeah. not fit for over-the-road long-haul trucking. Um, but they can make a one or two or a five kilometer loop over and over again until they can't. And then they just junk that truck and move on. Um, so I'm excited because I think Eagle Rail can be a contributor and a solution um, by taking trucks off the road, making uh, roads safer in and around ports, um, and also uh, improving the lives of people that live in and around ports. Those are usually marginalized communities. And I'm excited that we might be able to be a small part of that, that solution. Yeah, that uh, sounds, uh, sounds like a plan. I think uh, 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 any initiative that helps bring down carbon emissions in, in, uh, in the logistics and supply chain industry um, is a, <laughs> well, is a good cause. Um, thank you so much for, uh, uh, for talking to us about uh, the growth in global uh, commerce and the effects it has on the shipping industry and, and import areas and the inland areas. Um, yeah, thank you for being here. Thanks, Martin. It's great to meet you in person and uh, look forward to spending a week here in, in the beautiful city of Rotterdam. It's one of the most beautiful cities in the world, but I'm in no way... <laughs> Agreed. Oh, <yeah. laughs> You're no, in no way biased, I guess. No, it. no, no, absolutely not. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Does Logistics Matter? For more on trends and innovations in supply chain and logistics, visit our blog at logisticsmatter.com. If you want to be a guest on this podcast, please send an email to podcast at logisticsmatter.com. This podcast was produced by Dimitri Vleugel and the music is based on a sample by Ruggerman and produced by Michael Spengler. 
This episode was supported by Eagle Rail. Eagle Rail is the smarter and cleaner way to connect container terminals with intermodal operations. It is the world's first 100% electric overhead container transportation solution, dramatically improving port and intermodal operations and efficiency. For more information, visit www.eaglerail.com.